Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Can you hear me now? Hey, yes, I can. I hear you. How are uh, you? I'm, I'm good. I was on my AirPods and it said I was connected, but this happened before where I can't hear you, but you could hear me. So I can hear you perfectly. Okay. Thank you for hopping on. Guys, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this young lady is an amazing person and she served this country and she's doing great things in the uniform and even better things out of the uniform. Dr. P, how are you today? I'm great, Rich. Thank you very much. Um, excited to be here with you. Thank you. Uh, and it's going to be very informative. And by the way, I love your book, Warrior. Truly oh, amazing. thank you. That's awesome. I, uh, I, it was a, it was an adventure to write it, and I'm very thankful I did. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and born and raised, and what made you join the Marine Corps. Uh, okay, good question. I, uh, so I'm from Seattle, Washington. I was was born there and raised there and then went to Villanova University um, where I played softball. So I played Division I softball. I was a pitcher and also did ROTC, Naval ROTC as a Marine option. And so my, my oldest brother was a pilot in the Marine Corps and then my middle brother was um, in, he was an artillery, enlisted in the, as an artillery Marine. And um, that's what his MOS was. So both my brothers were Marines and it kind of was, I, you know, when I was little growing up, I always wanted to be part of the Boy Scouts because they did more adventurous things than my Girl Scout troop. And I mean, it, I was basically raised by my father and brothers. So, you know, it was kind of a natural shift for me to go from college to the Marine Corps. And my brothers, I looked up to a ton. So um, it was a great decision for me. <laughs> and, um, I got to do a lot of wonderful things and meet a lot of wonderful people and also got to experience some major trials and tribulations as well. Now, one thing I love about Marines is once a Marine, always a Marine. That's right. I love that mentality. And by the way, one of our sponsors today on the show, he's a Marine and he came out with a brand new line of food. It's called Simmer. Fi, and it's all <laughs> that's great yeah so, so if you love barbecue and hot sauce definitely check out simmer fi i so, will yep so now how many years did you do in the marine corps so i just did shy of four years so three and three three and three quarters uh i got out a little early um due to my medical situation did you get hurt? So I, I actually s struggled with, um, no, I didn't get hurt physically. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder actually. And so I, um, like an addiction, like anything else, I, um, didn't want anyone to know about it. And that's what I, what I wrote about a lot was my journey through that experience. And, um, coming out on the other side, healthy. So I got out, I had to be medevaced for it, actually. 
now you know because i've been i've been in recovery 30 over 30 years now and okay. a lot of people that have an addiction it's the one thing that they can control and you know especially i was in the health and fitness industry for 30 years and mm-hmm. a lot of people that had either anorexia or bulimia that was the one thing they can control in their life mm-hmm. so, and they kind of take it to the nth degree so what after you got medevaced what was it what was your as i say what was your come to jesus moment and say i needed help uh so yeah that's a good question i mean i i because it was such a it's such a secretive addiction um like any other addiction you know whether it's alcoholism or drug addiction or anything else there's a lot of other ones out there it's pretty prevalent unfortunately in our country um i my i i was a convoy commander out in iraq and I just, I mean, I'm in charge of, you know, running convoys and looking for landmines and doing very important work, but I was also putting people's lives in danger because I wasn't focused solely on missions. Like as an addiction, if you've had an addiction, you know, it's your mind is not always a hundred percent. It can be on the addiction actually. And so it's, I found that um, I started to, I mean, I was probably functioning at 60 or 70%, sometimes less focus-wise, and I didn't want to hurt anyone else. And my father was the only one who really knew what was going on, and um, and he was the only one I could really ex- felt I could express fully what was going on. And he wrote me a letter essentially saying, um, you know, Teresa, the irony is you're at war, but it's you're actually at war with yourself and you need to get help get off the roller coaster and get help and i think it just you know his letter hit me in a sense of i was important to someone else i mean while i was focused on the mission right mission accomplishment and troop welfare like i forgot to take care of myself and i didn't think other people cared for me cared about me as much like i was just there to do my job and and I, I, I was, um, I, well, I knew I, I cared about my Marines and I know they cared about me. It was my father kind of shared with me the human aspect of like, I love you. I've already lost my wife. Like you, you got to take care of yourself. And so that led me to, um, asking for help and saying what was going on. And there was really no help for what I had out there in theater. So that's why I got medevaced. And, you know, that's some one of the things that rarely gets talked about. And also, you know, one of the big things that I'm finding now is a lot of uh, females, you know, dealing with military sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. That stuff doesn't get taught. I mean, we always hear about PTSD and all that stuff, but we don't ever hear this other stuff. And I think it's great that you bring it, that you bring it to light. Um, so now what were some, what was some of your steps when you first had to reimagine and rebuild your life? What, what were some of the things that you had to do? So the, after, I mean, just asking for help was a journey in and of itself and getting the help I needed and advocating for it. Um, but I, you know, I sought out the right health professionals and to get the right care. Um, but what it did was, 
in that that journey of like, okay, I'm I now I'm getting out of the Marine Corps a little earlier than I wanted. Um, I need to take care of myself. What am I going to do? What do I want to do? What is important for me? Um, not do what, what does other people want for me, but what do I want? And that led me, you know, I played a year of professional softball in Italy. Um, rough life there. Just, um, but that was, you know, a, a nice break from the military to what was next and figuring out what was next. Um, it's actually where I stopped the symptoms of what I had, which was bulimia. And um, go figure in the city of food, you know, like stopped that. And then um, found, I realized I wanted to go into the fitness or medical industry. And what was a good bridge between the two was physical therapy. So after playing a year there, or a little less than a year, like a season there, I decided I'm going to become a physical therapist and start my own business. Um, and so, you know, like, I think my warrior journey from to asking for help to kind of taking ownership of my life finally um, and kind of getting back in, not trying to please other people, but like what it, to really asking myself what I wanted uh, that led me to the path I am on now, which is why I'm so passionate about it. So, you know, like I said, I, you know, I've been in recovery now thir- over 30 years and a lot of people, myself included, once they give up one addiction, they, sometimes they pick up something else, whether it be exercise, mm-hmm. whether it be supplementation or whatever, have your bodybuilding. So did you ever switch one addiction from one thing to another? Um, so I probably, you know, there's no, I'm trying to think. Um so the addiction that I, it was bulimia and there was also exercise in there. Um, through my therapy, I think I became very aware of the umbrella aspect. Like you can switch and it's easy to kind of dive into something next. And I think work for a while was an addiction for me. When I first started my business, it became easy to just throw myself into it and then, and do a lot of it and kind of think about it all the time and just have sought heart at a hard time having boundaries around it. However, when I had my first child, that's when I started to really keep that in check. And, and now, um, you know, I think I've, I've done enough. So one of the most powerful therapies I've done, which you, if you kind of follow a little bit of what I do now is mindfulness meditation. It's a part of what I teach. Actually, I teach with a colleague, John McCaskill. Yep, he, I, had on, I had him on my show. I had Will on my show. Yeah, nice. Yep. <laughs> good, good man. Um, and that was, that's been a very healing, like, practice in my life of just learning how to slow down, pause between trigger and a reaction. Um, but yeah, like the, the mindfulness meditation um, has been really important part of my, my therapy and in what I'm doing now and kind of led me down this path of like, how do I want to give people what I don't think they're actually getting right now in terms of healing? <clears throat> and, you know, I think one thing I love about what you do is that you meet people where they're at. And a lot of people, if they've been through issues, they're scared, mm-hmm. afraid to take that next step. And a lot of trainers, they don't want to meet them where they're at. And so they kind of get 
scared and they don't want to work with anybody. So, yes. So tell us about your approach to meeting somebody where they're at. Yes. Well, I think that approach comes from the fact that I want someone to meet me where I'm at. You know, it's like the golden rule. You just, um, when I work the best, so the best coaches I've worked with have been people who've done that to me and have walked with me on the journey and not shamed me. There's a lot of shaming going on. If you just look on social media, well, you shouldn't be eating this way and you shouldn't be saying these things. And I mean, there's, yes, there are, there are boundaries to what we say and how we treat other people. Um, Just, I think, especially when it comes to health, there can be a lot of shaming and it's like, look, everyone's starting at a different point and has different resilience levels and different upbringings with food and movement and or awareness of it. So I just want people to know that health is possible and the ways they can get it is through movement and mindfulness and whether they're become a CrossFit Games athlete or they just are going for walks each day and enjoying their life with their kids doesn't really matter to me. All that matters is that they know that health is their wealth and it's possible in their life. Oh, one thing I, I really love what you do is, you know, you you help people with their longevity. Where mm-hmm. a lot of trainers, they're just like, all right, you know, like I used to work with guys and get them ready to go to the Mister Olympia. So uh-huh. they're only they only cared about how how they look on stage six months. Yep. But you're you're talking about longevity. So can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah. Longevity is huge. Um, I think they, you know, I've been in a position like in my twenties, right. Where I'm just like, I want to just train to look a certain way or crush my PFT. Um, no, not necessarily the healthiest way to look at health long-term. So I think we all kind of have to go through that maturity process. Um, but as we age and things start to hurt a little bit more, it's like, oh yeah, you know, like I want to move, like I want to, my grandma, you know, she passed away at 105, 105 years old. Like she moved till the day she passed and it's all about like, what are you doing for your joints and soft tissue? This kind of maintenance routine and what are you doing to keep your body and mind kind of like a well-oiled machine? It doesn't mean, and I'm trying to help people, working to help people understand um, that it doesn't mean they have to do high intensity, high intensity functional fitness every day or eat chicken and broccoli, right? Like what they do need to do is just be mindful about their, the way they move and the way they eat. So when you are eating, are you present with the food, right? Just simply, are you sitting down and actually eating and focusing on what you're eating and the taste of it versus eating in front of your computer or TV or on the road. And then when you're moving or not moving, like, what is your body feeling like? What is it doing? Are you kind of shifting your, your body to one side or the other? Are you rotating your neck one way? Does it feel good? Does it not? Like when people start to actually create connection in their body and mind, they start to realize, oh man, I need to move more. Or, you know, like, I don't necessarily love exercise. I don't. But I know that physical fitness each day movement helps me feel better I just feel better my joints feel better um and that's that and I don't uh so that's that's when when I speak of longevity it really ties into this like mindful approach of life uh people oftentimes kind of just wait till someday to to think like oh someday when I feel better I'll do that or someday 
when I look better, I'll wear those jeans or whatever. Um, there's no such thing as someday. It's only right now. And there's no better time to start adding in more good food, enjoying the fun food, but in mindful doses and also enjoying movement the way that you want to enjoy it, but in a way that makes your body feel good versus like, oh man, I got to do heavy barbell squats because that's just what I got to do, but my knees kill me. Or I'm going to go for a run. This is probably more common, but my knees kill me, but I really want to go for a run to burn off what I ate last night, right? Like the, the, to build intrinsic motivation to be healthy has got to come from being, taking a more mindful approach to life. And, you know, like when I talked to John and I talked to Will, you know, we, we were talking about how, you know, when you're working out is when you break, when you're breaking muscle tissue and you're only building muscle is when you're recovering. So can you talk about recovery a little bit? Yeah. So recovery, um, it's, it, you know, it depends on who we're talking to. Like I've learned this through research, like the recovery in the sports world, you know, they see it as like rest, like sleeping, you know, sleeping and eating. And I think in the general, like gen pop, um, it's becoming more mainstream of like, uh, okay, recovery is like the breathing you're doing in between sets the um, way you're sleeping, of course, like your heart, your resting heart rate, um, the, the food that you're putting in your body, like recovery is basically everything that you're doing outside of physical training. Like, how are you being in the world? How are you breathing? How are you um, taking breaks? So I, I, what I'm putting, the point is, is that um, the term, each different group of people might see that term differently. But the way we see recovery is like for the gen pop, for all of us who are just looking to be healthy and not necessarily training for a world championship, it's the most, one of the most important things that we can offer ourselves. And one of the most important things that I, I give people, it gives you a chance to get your body into this parasympathetic state, this rest digest state. And you can do that through and, and you can do that through a number of ways, like the mindfulness meditation, of course, it creates that gap, that ability to like really hone into your physiology and take a break between a trigger and an action, the action you take, um, the way you sleep and the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep is part of your recovery. The way you think during the day, like just imagine you get an email, creates this that you don't like what happens, right? If you don't like it and it creates this trigger, your body creates tension in the body. Your body gets tense. So what are you doing to help decrease tension in the body? Um, that's through your breath. So the thing is all of these things, like oftentimes um, when we're multitasking or trying to multitask, which is switching or we're on our phone and we're getting all these notifications, there's so much stimulus that we're in this kind of micro stressed stimulated state all day long. And we don't actually fully get much rest. Like we're going from zoom call to zoom call. Um, and then when we're off the zoom calls as Jay Shetty would, you know, uh, um, Jay Shetty always educates on is like, we're, we go straight to our phones. When we first wake up, we go straight to our phones and we go to bed, we go straight, we, we go to bed looking at our phone and that's just not healthy. And so we've got to put boundaries up as to what the stimulating aspects of our day. So 
you know, like by stimulating aspects, like I know I'm on a call with you right now and that's all I'm focused on. And then when I'm off, I'm going to give myself a break until I go to the next thing. But right now I want to be focused on you. And then there's a point when I turn off my tech and I focus then on my children. And I really have to be thoughtful about it because of all of the incoming information now. And I mean, we've just, especially in this blended environment, there's more technology needed to to communicate, but it's also driving people nuts and like it's overstimulating. So we have to create these boundaries of, okay, even in the, when you ask me a question, I'm taking a moment to take a deep breath. After the call, I'm going to take a moment to do some deep breaths in between sets I take a moment to get my heart rate down a little bit before I do the next set, whatever I'm doing. So it's just being thoughtful. And that's where like, you have to practice being thoughtful though and focus. And that's where the mind, that's where, you know, the mindfulness can be very effective. Now, since I talked to Will, um, I mean, it's not, I just take 10 minutes the first thing in the morning with, with no phone and just practice the breathing and spending a little time with my wife. So, and you know, I love John and I love his morning routine. So tell us about your morning routine and how important it is to have a morning routine. <laughs> well, um, I get up to the sound of my kids. Um, one's crying. I have a nine month old Axel and the other one is four. So one of the things I've really taken on is this managing um, expectations of myself. Like, my morning is spent with my children and my phone is out of the room. It's in, it's actually in a file cabinet um, being charged. And so I don't even touch it until my four-year-old's out of, out of the house to go to preschool. Um, on a rare occasion, if I have an early meeting for something, no, but they're the only routine, the, the, the realist, the reality of my, my life is that I have two young ones and I really value my sleep. And so um, I choose to wake up with them, which is usually around 6.30, give or take, and play, get them ready with my husband. We spend some time just chasing them around the house, getting them food. I have some coffee with them. Then my, my, my preschooler leaves. And then I'm with my nine-month-old for about another hour and a half before we have um, some help coming over for a few hours and during his nap. So I get to feed him. And then during his nap, then I take some time to do a three minute movement routine. So I start my time off with slow movement for my neck, thoracic spine, my shoulders, my hips. Literally it takes me three minutes and it feels really good. It gets basically the full range of motion of all the major joints. So when I go to actually sit at my computer or stand or do whatever I'm doing, I I don't feel achy. Like I get all of the kind of the morning stiffness that can happen from sleep, right? All of us, you know, we just wake up and we get some movement in Um, and then go about my work day. So there's no, I don't actually do my meditations in the morning. I get slow, quiet movement. in when my first, my, my nine month old goes to sleep, my meditation comes in the evening before bed. So I listen, put my phone away, read a little, read something fun, not work-related, not personal development-related, and then I go to bed. So talk to us about your TEDx experience. The I TED, it, oh, I yeah. The, 
I watched your TEDx twice. So oh, yeah, what did you think of it, Rich? It, it was truly amazing and very thought provoking, especially for somebody that's was in the health and fitness industry for so many years and now I'm oh. into the mental health space. So Oh, thank you. Yep. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, um so I you know, I would like to say that TEDx so I was invited to do it 3 months before I gave birth to my first son. Okay, so I was like, yeah, this is and and I it the the TEDx was 8 weeks after he was born. And so you can imagine if anyone's had a given birth to a child that's listening to this is like there you're still in this like fog of baby the first 8 weeks. And I was kind of, you know, I don't know how we can swear on this thing but crapping myself because I was like, ah, I have to speak in front of a group of people and be coherent. <laughs> like how am I going to do this? <laughs> you know, so I mean, I've spoken in front of people before but like I went through, you know, I had an 11 pound child after three days and now I need to write. And of course I wrote the Ted talk after I gave birth. So I'm writing it in those first eight weeks. So I have to preface that, that this, that experience was actually really powerful for me because of what I, I just had to like, okay, I've got 20 minutes today to put this together and like work on it. And I knew, so those love, so I, the TEDx experience was great. And what I did was, and it's been powerful for me since then, is I always come up with an acronym that I speak off of. Like, and I maybe sh I sometimes share the acronym with the audience or I don't, but in the purpose of the TEDx I did, I created these love principles and I shared a story around each principle and the love principles, you know, it was, it kind of really tied into my warrior story because the whole point of the TEDx was um, how to become a warrior and the, uh, the, the love, you know, I had a lot of therapists in my day and you'll appreciate this rich from being in the health mental health industry is like, I've had a lot of therapists say, you know, you need to learn to love yourself more and be gentle with yourself. And I get that. Like, that's nice. That's great to hear. But when I was, you know, in my late mid to late twenties, I was like, well, what does it even mean? Like, give yourself a hug you know, pat yourself on the back. Like what does giving yourself some self-love mean? What does it look like? And so, uh, I, over time, you know, of course, no one is going to fix you, but you, and I learned the hard way. Like I have to take ownership here. I'm doing this. And so the love principles, I kind of created as this way of helping myself heal each day. One L is lead you first. Am I taking ownership of my life and leading myself first today? Because if I do that, I'm going to be better able to lead my children and work with my husband. O is oxygen. How am I using oxygen today? Am I just holding my breath and doing kind of more vertical breathing? I call it like upper chest, or am I actually taking long, deep breaths, expanding my rib cage, using my diaphragm? Am I relaxing my pelvic floor? I expand on this in the in the TED talk. And then the V is vulnerability. Am I being vulnerable? Right? The last two days, you know, you don't make, I don't know about any else, other adults, but it's, you know, when you're an adult, like making friends all the time, isn't really going to happen. It doesn't happen for me. Like I'm here at home in this pandemic, but I did make a new friend recently and it was great to be vulnerable with her. And I just, because I've done it so much now, it's like, 
it's made us fast friends versus, um, you know, kind of the long drawn out relationship build. So we become fast friends. So being vulnerable with people, I mean, I share the friendship story, but on a deeper level, like family, kids, um, you know, significant other, like showing love to, to your significant other, um, showing love to your kids and patients, that's vulnerability. And then the E is elasticity. Uh, and that kind of plays into my, the, the change, the, the elastic response that your tissues can have when you stretch them and when you move them and you strengthen them, right? You can change on a cellular level. So don't tell me that your pain or dysfunction is, that's just so. It's like you can, I can't tell you're ever going to be pain-free or that some of these things will go away. Um, but I can tell you that change can happen and healing can happen. And, you know, so, you know, and like one thing, you know, when I always talk, when I, when I used to personal, the first thing I would always tell them that, you know, a lot of it, it's not what you're, what you're eating. It's what's eating you. Uh -huh. That um, when you're stressed, your cortisol level goes up, you start gaining weight and your whole body starts to go out of whack when you're stressed. Out. And a lot of it has to do with um, people's expectations of you, you know, like, yes. you know, with, um, with the bulimia and stuff like that, that, you know, we worry about, about what other people are thinking about that we don't really, like you said, love ourselves. So what were some of the steps that you went about start loving yourself? Well, so the, I mean, it's, a, it's, so the lead you first, like underneath that. So one, um, just the concept of like, okay, when I look at my day, how am I making time for myself today? Like, where am I fitting in time? Um, so I know expectation wise, like a lot of people have morning routines. I even have a morning routine on my platform, but my morning routine is just family time. And I know that, so my time that I give myself to do movement and meditation, I've got after work before I pick up my preschooler and then before bed, I create those, that those transition times are really important. So that's way I lead myself first. And I also look at my schedule and make sure that I've got quiet and still time in my schedule because I'm an introvert. Like I'm not just all outgoing and wanting to talk to people all the time. And then uh, the O is, is I make sure through the meditation practice that is my, and even with my training, although my heart rate goes up and I'm increasing my breath rate, I'm also conscious of slowing down my breath my meditation and focused on the rise and fall of my diaphragm and really focusing in there. So those, that practice of the training I do every day for 10, 20 minutes, I really don't do more than that. Um, and then the meditation, which is 10 minutes or less is focused on my, by the biomechanics of my breath. Um, and then the V is just like telling someone each day in my life, I love them or I care about them or thank you so much for, being you. I, it goes a long way. Um, when you can show person, show, um, authenticity in your messages to people, you know, it's, it, you can say thank you. Yes. But like, thank you. You're, I really enjoy the conversation. Like you're, you light up the room or whatever. It's, it's those kinds of things go a long way and people remember that. 
Um, and then just the E is, you know, train again, it's very much tied together. Like I, the way I sit at my computer, um, the way I carry myself, the way I move, the way I meditate, all of that creates shifts in body on a cellular level. Right. And so that's, there's really no, um, that that's it. It's simple, very simple. So now, okay. Cause now we're going to, cause I know you have somewhere to go and you got a lot of stuff to do today, but if, you know, when, we, when we're in the military, you know, whether we're drunk, whether we're sober, you know, we're training, we're doing PT five, six days a week. We're usually in optimal health. And when we get out, all of a sudden, two years later, a lot of us are like 50 pounds overweight, pre-diabetic, and they just don't know where to start. So how does somebody start getting healthy again? What can they do? What kind of s- small things can they do? You start getting healthy again. So yes, Rich, you're you're spot on, and it's common in in the athletic world too. You know, a lot of my like even some of my college teammates felt the same way. I mean, it's it's just we're used to being so active, and then all of a sudden the real world hits. I mean, not the it, we are in the real world, but the there's, there's a shift in our requirement for movement. <laughs> you know, and there's not the same kind of tribe. Um, so I think first of all is for people to connect with a a tribe, like get, find some connection somewhere first, like whether it's a gym or a community of people who are doing things that they, you know, love to do. Like if you like to play beach volleyball or if you want to join a, there's a lot of great veteran communities out there, um, in the form of different nonprofits. Um, I, I would say that's a great place to start is just find a community to connect with first. And then second, the things that you can do right now is kind of, I look at it like a land nav and I love using this kind of analogy is like, okay, you want to be healthy. You want to take that 50 pounds off. You want to feel better, but where do you, where are you on that health journey? And so getting assessed is actually really helpful and really healthy. And we actually offer a free movement assessment to veterans, which I can send to you, Rich, so you can share it. Um, it kind of shares with you like what your musculoskeletal health is like right now. So you can, and it can kind of guide you on what to do, but finding some kind of getting assessed and seeing where you're at and then just starting small each day, taking into account, we call this the domino theory of like, okay, this week, my focus is on, I'm going to go for a walk before and after um, I work. I'm going to walk for 10 minutes. That's it. And see what else happens in your day, your mood, the way you treat people, etc. Maybe the next week you do the walk and then you meditate for five minutes. So each week you add something small. Maybe the next week you add water, start drinking more water. Most people actually know how to eat right. I mean, it's all over the internet. Like just, there's some misinformation, true. There's a lot of misinformation, but in terms of just like the basics of drinking more water, eating more whole foods. Um, So just, you know, each week taking on something small and making shifts. And it does take, you know, I think depending on what research you read, 70, 66 to 70 days to make a habit automatic. So how long can someone sustain? So ideally 10 weeks, we want someone to sustain making healthy habits before it sticks. 
So what can you do in that 10 weeks that's going to be realistic for your day to help you feel better and get healthier? I'll share with you with me. It's been um, like the food isn't, you know, nutrition for me is um, while I was had an eating disorder, like now I have a very healthy relationship with food. Um, exercise wise, that is the one thing that on a daily basis, I can feel like it. I don't feel like it, but I do it five days a week and I do it. I just tell myself one rep at two 30 Pacific standard time, one rep. And usually that turns into, you know, a hundred, like whatever I'm doing. Um, but I'll give myself 10, 20 minutes to do movement. And then I'm on to my children. And sometimes I join, obviously, if you've watched me on LinkedIn, you'll see my children are involved with my workouts quite a bit. <laughs> um, but it starts small. Like, don't think about like, oh my gosh, I got to get in great shape in a month and lose 50 pounds. It might take you a year to do that, but every day do something small. That's good for you. I love that. And that's two questions that I have. You answered, pretty much answered one of them already, but um, okay. how do we find you? How can we get your book? How can we um, support your mission? Thanks, Rich. You all can find me at movement-rx.com. Uh, there's a, there's, I would go to the education tab. I mean, you can email me from there, but there's the education tab and it's got our mindfulness. We got a mindfulness experience that John and I are launching soon. It's for the individual and it's going to be wonderful. It's a 21 day experience where we're the guides on this mindfulness movement and meditation journey. Um, and so under education, you can see like our blogs and the seminars we give um, to include that one. And then um, the book, you can go to Amazon and just look at Teresa Larson Warrior and order it from there. There's the audio as well. We have an audio version of it. Well, awesome. And like I said, I love the book. Highly recommend it. Um, it's very informative, but it's not a sports book. It's a life book also. So it's, you get a little bit of everything in it. So last question is, I love asking this question because I get ask a thousand people, I get a thousand different answers. <laughs> we live in a crazy world, as you know, we're in COVID. We got grandparents, homeschooling kids. Um, some parents are driving Uber just to get food on the table. So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So what is one thing that somebody can do in the next 24 hours to start to get healthy? Again? So that's uh, what I would say. Um, the next, the thing that they can do is uh, before bed tonight, if they're listening to this, put their phone away in another room, like really, because sleep is so important for mood regulation too. And for just feel feeling good, um, put the phone away <clears throat> and do just lay there in stillness and quiet um, with the lights off and just practice breathing deeply. And do, you can count breaths or you can just put a timer on for five minutes. Like that's what I would say to start with. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you for coming on and hanging out and taking time out of your special day. I'll talk Thank to you. you. So when you see John and you see Will, tell him I love him. And um, I'm grateful for you guys. And I love this energy. 
between the three of you guys. It's truly amazing. If you love hot sauce, if you love um, <laughs> barbecue, definitely check out Simmerfy. I will. I love the Marines, so of course I'm going to uh, always be yeah. the Marines. So thank you so much, and thank you for taking time to hang out with us today. Uh, you're welcome, Rich. Thank you very much, too. I appreciate you reaching out and what you're doing with this podcast as well. You're welcome. So, Have a blessed weekend and enjoy those babies. I will. Thank All you, Rich. Right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.